Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Well, welcome, my sweet pleasure seekers. Keeping in mind with our theme of the month, we are having all conversations that are very fun, enlightening, and open to all. So why I say that is because um, the episode we did last week, we had some comments where people were, were pretty sure that we were trying to push an agenda. And all we're saying is we'd like to be open to everyone. Um, and and I hear you and I hear people's concerns about their children. And I think there are many more things we need to be concerned about with children, especially we need to be concerned about the pedophile rings going on. There are things that are way, uh, way intensely insane happening on the planet that a lot of people are having that hidden from their view or knowledge or awareness. So I think becoming aware of things that are truly harmful is really important. I don't think that having an identity is one of those issues because if you are, if you identify as anything, if you're cis hetero and you identify that way, that's your identity. So whether you identify that way or you identify with some other kind of identity, guess what? It's part of who you are. And so we're having a conversation that Ziva actually came up with a title of this. And Ziva is who are you, Ziv? Your child? Yeah, you are. My favorite child, let's face it. An only child, yes. <laughs> favorite and only child. Well, lucky for you, favorite and mm -hmm. only child. So as my favorite and only child, we will be talking about identity today, uh, what that means and why it's important to be able to feel like you have an identity. And also before getting on the show, we were talking about how, uh, privately, we are talking about how Ultimately, like all identity is based pretty much on a uh, variation of like our egos needing to be recognized, which we know that and that's fine. And so if anybody wants to tell us it's all ego based, we already know that. But it also is a comforting way to be able to feel like you belong on the planet. And for anybody who doesn't feel like they belong on the planet and you feel like you're struggling with identity, we're safe. You can talk to us. OK, so what do you remember what the title of this show is? Eve? I'll bring it up for you so you can see it because it was inspired this title was inspired by your um your request um my identity not your authority my identity not your authority so awesome so what do we have to say about that what does that title mean to you it means that you really don't have like you don't have the right to say to someone how they identify isn't right like if you don't, oh, um, so want to give an example of what you mean? Um, well, for example, like I'm non-binary, and like every single day, I have, um, 
I have people telling me that I'm wrong about how I feel, that I'm, I'm a girl. No, I'm not. You don't know me. You don't have authority over my identity. Right. And if somebody told you you were uh, a clown and you have never actually gone into like, you never went to clown school. <laughs> you never, you never thought this is my career. I want to be a clown. You don't necessarily identify as a clown, but if somebody's projecting their thoughts of who you are onto you, there is something very uh, unkind about that. It's the way that also people project onto us what they think maybe our identity religiously is or politically is, or we can have identities in a lot of ways, right? So identities are sometimes things that are things people see and assume about us. And those are part of the way that we have diversity, right? It's the way people use their senses to perceive what you look like, what you smell like. Hey, you you smell like you smell like a white kid. So like, how do you know, right? But you don't, but we use our senses to identify people, right? Our sight, we usually use that. That's usually the primary one. Sometimes people hear their voices and they assume. And we watch that show, uh, Jubilee, is it called? Yeah. And they do a lot of interesting things where they blindfold people and see if people can tell who's who, or can you tell in a group of people who is the straight person, who is the gay person, who is the black person, who is, and to try and identify that with blindfolds on is fascinating because almost always they get it wrong. And it just goes to show that we have a lot of uh, judgments and prejudices on people for what we think they're supposed to look like and show up as. So you were mentioning, Zeev, that um, you identify as non-binary and people uh, tell you that that's not true. So, yeah. so where is it that you're, you find like you're getting the most backlash? The internet, just like, um, like whenever I say like, for example, like in a comment or something like, oh, I'm non-binary, blah, blah, blah. And I just mention it offhandedly. And then someone like, takes the time out of their day to come and tell me that they, a stranger on the internet who hasn't even seen my face or talked to me, that they know me better than I know myself. Right. So what I know about you is from babyhood. Can I bring up some babyhood stories? Because I love babyhood stories. Good time. So from babyhood, I think I think my favorite image of you from babyhood is that so for those of you who don't know or have never heard stories of uh how I raised Ziva, I gave Ziva options on clothes. What? I gave you options. I would just put there was all kinds of clothes. There were boy clothes and girl clothes, because clothing is gendered apparently. I went with the colors that Ziva was attracted to. So even as like a little wee beaner, we could go in a store. And Zeev would get excited about certain colors. So we'd buy, you know, like green corduroy pants that are pretty freaking neutral and and different colors that aren't necessarily identified um, as as a certain gender. But I know you have something to say about genders and colors because you, you have some great insights into where that all started. So whenever you feel, if you ever feel the urge to say to someone, well, pink is a girl's color. Did you know that came from the Nazis? 
Yeah, the Nazis invented the idea that pink is for girls. Originally, pink was thought of as a masculine color that girls could not wear because it would take away their delicate femininity. And blue was thought of, pale blue was a woman's color. But then around, around 1930, around the Great Depression, um, clothes companies noticed that, sorry, clothes companies noticed that uh, mothers, especially low-income mothers, were uh, having their oldest children give hand-me-down clothes to their youngest children, regardless of their sex. So like an older sister would give her uh, clothes to her younger brother and et cetera. Um, but the clothes companies were like, well, we can't have that. They aren't buying enough clothes. So what they did was they specifically gendered clothes so that pink frilly things were for girls and thus could not be passed down to boys. And like blue rough and tumbly things were for boys and thus could not be passed down to girls so that you had to buy more clothes to fit into that box. And then also another theory is that Adolf Hitler, that lovely guy, he made pink triangles mm -hmm. and he put them on the backs of homosexuals in the Holocaust. Because if you didn't know... It was, I think, on their arms because mostly yeah. the identifiers on their arms, yeah. It was like all over the the concent concentration camp suits that were given to everybody in concentration camps. And if you didn't know, uh, queer men, trans people, they were targeted just as much as like yeah. Jewish people, Romani people. Black Slavic. people, Slavic, and the pink triangle. Um, it was used to identify uh, uh, queer men. And the saddest thing is that after World War II ended, and uh, after World War II ended and people were let out from the camps, the people with pink triangles on their suits were arrested by the German police and put back into jail for life. Yeah. So the world war did not end for them. And uh, the thing with that is that that cemented the pink is feminine. Pink is a thing to be ashamed of, especially if you're a boy to wear, because being gay was a shameful thing. And if you had a pink triangle, you were gay. Yeah. So that's where that all comes from. So it isn't like this. It isn't this like inherent thing that humans just had like pinks for girls, blues for boys. It was the Nazis and capitalism. It does not have good roots. So if you're like trying to uphold those rules, you may unconsciously or consciously be like supporting those things. So there you go. That's excellent feedback. And that's actually a really good part of a conversation on identity on how other people identify you right so however not you personally but in general how people get identified by others based on uh, just their observations or what they think is true and it's not based on any truth or conversation and I think when there's a conversation about things like about diversity um, and acknowledging the diversity in the world we have like the surface level things of what people see and yeah then we have those deeper things and if we can get to the deeper things and actually know people for who they are doesn't that make a great spectacular difference in the world so knowing somebody for who they are as a person 
person's not the right word. Grandma would get mad at us for using that. <laughs> and we can't use the word human either because we're going to get mad at that too. As a being, as a living being, <laughs> so maybe that's acceptable. <laughs> we're going with legal terms. So when grandma listens, she's going to fully approve of our show. <laughs> so, so what do we need identity for personally? We need identity to like to have community um <clears throat> well yeah we need we need identity to be able to find people who are like us so that we aren't lonely so we can have friends so that we can like create culture i guess yeah creating culture creating community so it's really important to create community and one of the reasons for that and we talk about this stuff in our house all the time is like different responses to different things are stress responses and then sometimes those stress responses get really high so your one year stress response could be a fight or flight where you want to run away from things and then it could go even more extreme to where you go into freeze mode and then when people are in the frozen mode they get depressed their bodies aren't functioning so good they have low heart rates their their digestion is off their mood is off um, but also your mood can be off in fight or flight anger anxiety can rise and in order to learn how to regulate your body, you, you need to be able to come back down to the calm space. And one of the things about being in the calm space is having community connection, feeling grounded, knowing you're loved. And also, well, that's not on the list, but I think knowing you're loved is really helpful. Knowing that you're received by people so that you know that you belong. Brene Brown talks about belonging being a really key uh, key factor in feeling like a valid part of the world so belonging is part of our how we our identity is part of how we create belonging right so as um like when I was a teenager I was part of Serbian folklore and I was part of that group but I didn't belong to it in no way did I feel like I was in in um in no way did I feel like I was uh, totally part of it. I mean, my dad was part of the um, Skupshina. I don't know how you say that in English. That's like the the group that's like in charge. It's like the council. Yeah, like the council. My dad was part of it. Thank you for English. Good translation. <laughs> so he was, he was part of like the council. So they had like the president and the, all that stuff going on. And um and even though my dad was up there, I didn't necessarily feel like I belonged. Um, there was a few of us, and I was one of the only ones who was not raised in a totally Serbian household. And uh, I was raised with parents who were divorced, and I didn't know anybody else in that group who had divorced parents. And I didn't know anybody. Well, there was one other person in the group whose parents were not both Serbian, but they were raised in a home where they learned two Slavic languages. So. I was not. I was a bit of an outsider outcast. I also did not have the same dark brown straight hair that they all had and the brown eyes they all had. I had blue eyes and fuzzy wild hair. So I didn't I didn't ever necessarily feel like I had a sense of belonging, even though I had this group that I was part of. So even when you can be part of a group, you don't necessarily feel like you belong. So it's always good to keep seeking you know people just 
always finding and being willing to seek people so you can have a sense of belonging. But we're going to jump off of this. We're going to head to our first commercial break and we'll come back and talk more about my identity, not your authority. So you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is the Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Today we are talking about my identity, not your authority. So we're discussing how however you feel about yourself is really your business and it's nobody else's right to tell you how you feel about yourself. We're using different examples through time and we're looking at identity and discussing what that means and why it's important to have identity. And yes, we are aware that identity is based on ego and until we have all transcended to the next plane of existence we're all still operating at some level with ego so let's just be honest and real about that so just for fun i looked up the word identity in the etymology just for fun is i love etymology and the etymology of it comes from the 1600s from the french identite uh, or from medieval latin uh, identitatum. So it means sameness. So if you think about identity, um, it's got the same roots as identical, right? Sameness, oneness, state of being of the same. So it's changed though. What we use it for now are things like in identity politics, It we tend to use those, um, the word identity as a way to find um, I guess commonness, so we are looking for sameness still, but we're looking for a way to 
go, I'm going to just use fruit for this. It's like if we have apples, oranges, and bananas, and and we as a fruit, we're not sure what we are. We might go, oh, I kind of look like an apple, but I kind of look like an orange, but I definitely don't look like a banana. So I'm somewhere between an apple and an orange, but nobody has told us the name of that apple orange fruit. So until there's a name of that apple orange fruit, we're kind of bouncing between, I could be an apple, I could be an orange until somebody calls it a squar. And then you're like, oh, there's a squar. I am a squar. So a lot of times, and I just invented that word, by the way, feel free to identify as a squar if you want to. But usually what we're looking for is things that are we have in common with people or in common with the um, description of what that that term is. And then when we go, oh, that's I get that. Like I feel those same things. So that sameness is how we identify and feel like we belong. And then there are some times where those words, we don't even know what they are because we've never heard them. Um, like in my life, probably until maybe 10 years ago, I'd never even heard the word sapiosexual. So I didn't even know. I didn't even know what that was. So when I would try and like identify, and I was like, I don't know, am I, am I straight? Not really. Am I lesbian? Not really. Am I bi? Not really. But I didn't have a word for it. And then when I came across sapiosexual, it was like, Oh, phew. Now I know I'm like a squar. I'm this word that I didn't even know existed until I saw this word existing. And it was what it did for me was it helped me relax into being that I knew that I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to be specifically one thing or specifically another thing because I wasn't any of those. And it didn't feel comfortable to think that I was any of those. Just like my name's not Edna and my name's not Wilhelmina, but to have my name Melitza, that makes sense to me right now. But if that name didn't make sense to me, I'd change it. So I know that about me. I would just go off and change it. So Edna or Wilhelmina, can you even imagine? <laughs> Ziva has 7,500 names because throughout Ziva's life, I have gifted Ziva many multiple names, which to me have always matched the personality of the day or the energy of the day. So as a result, about three or four, three years ago, maybe, we created, yeah. we, we collaboratively created a book in our family on the many names of Zika, which are like Zeke, Zekenheimer, Zekala, Ezekiel. There are many of them. We have like 70 at least or more. <laughs> so so when people, um, when people are like, oh, you know, they, they might say things like, so the way you raised your child, that your child's non-binary. Okay, cool. You can blame it on me. That's okay. Is it a blame? Like, I don't even know. It's sort of like people like to make it a blame. And I think it's really funny um, to me because the day that you, the day that you came across the term non-binary and you felt comfortable with it, it's like your life it's like the joy in your eyes and your life and like everything in your being. There was such like a sigh of relief in your being. Because yeah. originally I called myself gender fluid because I knew that I knew that there is some sort of fluidity between like masculinity and femininity that I had going on. So that's what I identified as for about oh, three-ish months. But then I realized, no, that's that's too rigid. Like I'm more just here so yeah 
non-binary because also, uh, especially when I was in elementary school, like I had this underlying feeling of like wanting to fit in with the girls and the boys, but succeeding at neither. It is a small town and you had yeah. 12 choices of people to fit pretty, in with. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I always knew that I was like different. I just didn't know how. So it it also helps that you're a full-on genius too and yeah. having having um having like peers that might not even understand or have conversations yeah. with you and about it. I was also I'm also like autistic and ADHD so and when I, when the other kids were like playing basketball or something I just I was overwhelmed by the sounds and like trying to run and coordinating my breath at the same time so I just like sit on the bench by myself and read and I was totally happy with that because I just like I'm more I don't know where I was going with this um I was more entertained by just like being alone with myself and trying to like mask and be with, be with other people yeah also if you didn't know masking is an official term in the neurodivergent community where, where you're trying to hide your neurodivergent traits in order to fit in with neurotypical people yeah so masking can be a lot of effort yeah, like um, almost every day or like every other day or something, when I would come home from school, I would just cry from the effort of masking yeah. and like trying not yell at people to stop yelling. Yeah. Because also noise causes me physical pain and they just didn't get that. You've always been super aware of frequencies and vibrations yeah, and like sounds. I'm very sensitive to sound and I was I was not good in school because it was just constant noise everywhere. And me having to hide my emotional reactions to that and also trying to be like trying to have friends there that wasn't and also getting bullied every day because of my name that was and because of being vegetarian oh yeah <laughs> for some reason they hated me for being vegetarian uh Aussie. yeah so that was school was not fun for me because I had to hide all of myself to like yeah to try and fit in but not yeah. fit in because you knew you were never going to fit in because no. you could never so I'm so glad that you didn't fit in because you are such a cool character mm -hmm. as yourself and as your creative self and I'm I'm so glad that that didn't your creativity didn't get squashed and your mm -hmm. personality didn't get squashed and I'm actually super grateful for COVID that you got Me to too. get home that, <laughs> so. um, I think I think if I if it didn't happen and I'd still be doing in-person school, my mental health would be like shocked, insanely bad. I might be, I might have been like suicidal yeah. without all the masking and stuff, because it take it takes a toll on you, and um, especially being in a Catholic school, like we didn't talk about gender or something, so I'd probably still think I was a girl um and like still be confused by like but I don't feel like that but I am right and then just thinking that there was something wrong with me yeah so I'm actually really grateful for the fact that I got to have online school because I actually got to like get to know myself and I remember one of the things that really kick-started that was uh was well, it sort of started 
on this. We had a guest one day come to our class online, obviously. And um, what she did was she asked every person in the class to put their like their uh, summarized identity in the chat. Like, yeah. what's your gender, your pronouns, age, stuff like that. And that was my friend, yeah, Salima. <laughs> yeah, Salima. And um, one girl, she put, oh, you had to put your uh, orientation too. Oh, you didn't have to. She just oh, yeah. put whatever you she like said, to identify. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. That's true. And then uh, one girl put, I can't actually remember her name. And I think that's a good thing because I don't want to yeah. out her. But I but remember this too. She yeah. said, um, name, lesbian, 13. And like, I was just like, she was confident. Yeah. And then uh, you also asked me like, what gender should I put down? And I was just like, female? And that's when I started questioning like, what am I really? And then on, that was grade seven, the first day of grade eight, um, a kid came out as trans. Uh, He said, "Uh, my name is Milo now. It was Milo back then. My name's Milo now. I go by he, him pronouns. I'm boy, so please call me that. And I was like shocked by how well he was received because, you know, Catholic school, I was expecting backlash. I was expecting like um, at least people to be kind of iffy about it, but everyone adopted it really well. Uh, his name's Tristan now. So. And it was also, uh, that was the year that you had the coolest teacher ever. Yeah, Ms. McFarland. She's awesome. Uh, she was the first teacher that I ever came out to. And, and also, she actually called me by my pronouns. And there was about six queer kids in that out queer kids in that class, including me. And there was um during religion class, which also functioned as health class, because apparently those two need to be conflated. Um I was actually enraged by the health class, by how outdated and incorrect it was, just about the most basic things. But anyways, there was one page that um, said, are you homosexual? And then I didn't actually get to read it, but she said, this is so offensive. I am not reading it to you, children. Um, Well, she she meant it in a way that I was like, I'm not going to hurt you guys by saying stuff like this, because... uh, this was written at a time when our schools did not fly the rainbow flag, let me just say. And like, if it was that bad, she she managed to read some of the other iffy stuff in there. But if it was that bad that she had to cut it out, that was really freaking homophobic. Yeah, she also gave you guys the choice to read yeah, it yourself. Yeah, she, she gave us the choice, but she said, I'm not going to read it like here, but you can, here, it, here it is if you want to read it, but like be warned it's bad especially since there was an out gay boy there and he was just like just healing from the insane bullying he went through in elementary school so she was like I don't want to re-traumatize him either yeah because from what I could tell they were just saying if you are gay um try not to be yeah try not to be uh try and live a good life um try and ignore it try and be straight you can do it all you need is some prayer. That was something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was just another instance of like people trying to tell you that, you know, you're wrong about who who you are 
even though like they're literally incapable of knowing you better than you know yourself. So awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So we're actually heading to our next break. When we come back, I want to actually discuss there are some conversations going on in the media right now, but also why we did the show last week on um on mythology first, so that we can show that these things are historically have been around. Always been there. Always been there. And there are actually historical writings that are not mythological writings as well. One and the same. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so we'll talk about that when we come back from break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. We'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we are having a conversation all about my identity, not your authority, with Ziva, the one who was delivered by my loins. Actually, this is my baby. And my baby is gigantic. My <laughs> baby is like almost as big as I am. But still, this baby is going to be my baby forever. Because it's my baby. <laughs> so it's my only baby. So I get to 
say that I identify this baby as a baby and this baby might not identify as a baby, but I identify this baby as a baby. <laughs> so that is one way that we actually identify people without their authority. So I just gave that as an example. I identify Ziva as my baby and whether Ziva identifies as my baby or not, it's how I identify Ziva, right? We project that onto people all the time. So Ziva, can you uh, let us know why are you an authority on identity? Not that you're an authority authority, but what had you want to talk about this today? Uh, basically just like um, the audacity of people, once again, trying to tell me that they know me better than I know myself, mostly strangers on the internet who've never seen my face, let alone held a conversation with me. Um, also people that I know in real life trying to tell me that they know me better than I know myself, even though like the things that they think about me are just incorrect. Um, like for example, on my birthday. Oh, my are we going there? Oh, we're going there. Okay. On my cousin, my on my birthday, my cousin reached out to me. No, actually, I it's your cousin in, in law. My my cousin in law. She didn't reach out to me. What she did was she put a, a video on her story that said something like trans identified female, which is not the correct terminology for anything. Trans identified female wins in men's identified female wins in men's swimming something like that and she was something she said something like uh appalled by what and she was mad about trans people winning in sports so i said um uh i said there's actually evidence that uh hrt hormone replacement therapy doesn't give people a significant advantage in athletics, like whether that be them getting estrogen or testosterone, it just, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, so like you have no reason to be mad about this. And I said this all respectfully because like she obviously didn't know what she said. Um, so I'll just summarize this. What happened after that was she was very transphobic to me and she basically ruined my birthday by being transphobic. She could so, never ruin your birthday. She yeah. has no authority over you. No, that's true. But, so you allowed her to ruin yeah, your birthday. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the the thing that like saddened me the most was that she has three children. That's not the sad part. The sad part was that if they ever came out as trans, if she if that didn't cause her to wake up, I couldn't even imagine how hard that would be for them. Because, like, she's, oh. We can also give credit that maybe you woke her up, right? So yeah, we maybe. We're not going to pigeonhole people and, like, make them. Yeah, we never know. People can change. Why? Yeah. Because Taika Waititi. <laughs> yeah, Taika Waititi. We love him. <laughs> so so how did how did he change, right? Because people identified him one way. Right. And if you don't know who Taika Waititi is, no, can you give uh, people, like, a background? We need to know who he is. So, <clears throat> him. Uh, Taika Waititi is a half-Jewish, half-Maori man. He's most known for uh, directing stuff like, he directed Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder, the new Thor movie that came out this year, I think. Um, he's, yeah, he's most known for directing things and for appearing in his mostly comedy movies. 
Um, he was also one of my favorite shows, which is called Our Flight Means Death, but I'll stop there. Um, so the controversy around him, this happened about, oh, about a year ago or so. Um, what happened was that people were digging down his uh, down his tweets, and they found one from like 2014, uh, where he was being transmisogynistic. Um, Can you tell me what transmisogynistic means? It's specific transphobia against trans women. Okay. So he was saying something about um, saying something about how all trans women are meth addicts or something. But the thing is, yes. But the thing is. Taika Waititi right now is actually a massive ally. So he's like, shortly after that, he apologized and he learned from his mistakes and he became a better person. So he actually grew as a person and now he's good. And now he has queer characters in like most of his projects, like shown in a good light, I mean. Yeah. And um, so the controversy around that was that people were saying, well, why are we still supporting him? He's obviously transphobic. No, he used to be. He's better. He's good. So don't like. Yeah. So yeah. we're not going to pigeonhole we're anybody because we don't know where your cousin's yeah. at now. No, there, there could be openness now. We don't but, know. Um, we were talking about cancel culture, cancel culture earlier, earlier mm-hmm. before the show. Um, about how like it's just become so. It's become so common these days, especially among my generation, unfortunately, that um, they go digging in like the depths of the internet to find outdated stuff from celebrities specifically that are like not good um, or they're just blowing out of proportion. And then they try and apply that to the present day where either um, like where they just they've learned from their mistakes by now, so it's not really a problem. Um, but one of my main examples of this is, oh, let's see, the pirate show that I just mentioned. Our flag means our flag death. means death. If you haven't seen it, you need to. That's all I have to say. You're pirates. It's amazing. It's on Crave, right? Uh, Crave in Crave in Canada. Uh, uh Max in. America and BBC One in Britain. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Anyways, uh, one of the main actors from this. Uh, oh, just lost my train of thought. One of the main actors from this on the day that the filming for season two started, um, he said, uh, "Happy to be back in my costume. Feels like I was born to play him." Uh, it's like I was born to play him. I must be his reincarnation. And for context, he was talking about Steve Bonnet, who was a real, um, real person in real life in the 1700s. He was known as a gentleman pirate, but he was a slave owner. So he, the real Steve Bonnet was not good, but the character in the show is actually nice. So, so what people were doing was they were, they were getting mad at the actor Reese Darby for um, saying that he left playing this character who in real life was not a good person, but the character was fine. So they were nitpicking at things that he didn't even like. He wasn't talking about that. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about playing the character. But the thing is, is that, wait, how does this, 
we're talking about cancel culture and identity and yeah yeah so he was identifying as something he was identifying as he was identifying as a nice character yeah not as the bad slave owner yeah and then the cancel culture people were like whoa you're a bad person conflated the two right so um you're loving the word conflated today Yes. Did you just learn it this week? No, I've, okay. I've known it for years, Mother. Okay. I've just never heard you use it in conversation before. I use it all the time in my writing. Okay. So. Um, so that was conflated. The train of thought went off the tracks. It's all good. So we were talking about how, how um, can't, we were talking about Taika. We were talking about yes. cancel culture, how people change. Yes, how people change. Thank you. Um, so sorry um and even our identities can change right like, yes if we think about yes that. all right so ah this is a good point so one of the main arguments that transphobes use against specifically like um gender affirming care for minors is that they'll just like change their mind when they're older well did you know that less than one percent of people who medically transition regret it less than one percent also minors cannot get bottom surgery at all and if they want to get top surgery you know what they have to do they have to do like three years of hormone blocker hormone hormone blockers they have to do years of therapy to make sure they're actually trans there are just some random doctors in the u.s who are not following those instructions that's what people are getting at but it's random yeah it's random and you know what there's malpractice for literally everything. Absolutely. Just because there's a few malpracticing doctors doesn't mean that all of them are bad. I was on hormone therapy at 17 because yeah. I was on the pill. That's a type of hormone therapy, but we don't ever talk about that. So if you were on, you know, for those people who are out there who argue the hormone thing, if you were ever on the pill where I'd say most of my friends were on the pill at 17 to 23 that is hormone therapy also did you know that the majority of children who get hormone blockers are cis they're doing it so they don't go into puberty when they're like five it's very common it's not just for trans kids so there are a lot of kids going into puberty a lot younger yeah we have a lot of things going on in our water systems that are creating that like like all those, uh, the birth control yeah. that I was taking, and then we're peeing it out, and it goes in our yeah. water systems. It's, it's affecting of, the fish. It's affecting human beings. It's a lot of excess hormones from, like, especially the meat industry. Like, since they're trying to, since they're um, forcing like, growth. Forcing growth. That's what they're doing. So when you eat those excess hormones, that sometimes triggers early puberties in kids. Yeah. But so that, that's why um, hormone blockers have become more. Common. Common. That's for sure. Um, oh, damn, I had a point there. Um, do, 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 oh. Things change. And if if a person does regret their transition, that's none of your business. They're just discovering things about themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. Do you know what? I actually know people who have had breast implants, and they regret it, and that's a gender-affirming therapy yeah, as well. Yeah, people can have gender-affirming care. Say that with me. Cis, Cis people. people. True story. Can and do and have gender affirming care and the majority of them do yeah so a lot of that is breast implants 
if you've been in war and lost your testicles, you're going to get gender affirming care by getting a testicle replacement. There are lots of ways we get gender affirming care. And did you know that like also hair removal, yeah. like some women go through, they don't want to have like hair growth, right? Getting hormone blockers for hair growth and also getting um, any kind of stuff to remove your hair so you don't look masculine is gender affirming too. And also, did you know for any dude bros out there? Dude bros. That that your favorite bodybuilders, they're probably on testosterone to help build those cosmetic muscles. Yeah. Also gender affirming hormone therapy. I was thinking about bodybuilders today. That's funny you bring that up. I was like, there there is something with bodybuilding uh having and and I thought, oh, I'm not gonna it's, make the assumption, but there is something where there is there is uh, like a body dysmorphia where you yes, feel like you have it's to literally body dysmorphia. The the beauty standard for men, because there is a beauty standard for men, is ripped abs. And that's why a lot of men like because they don't they don't just want to get strong, they want to look that way. So they go to the gym, they try and build those cosmetic useless muscles because they aren't building it in the right places to actually be strong. They're building it in the places that the muscles pop out. So that's gender affirming care because it's making them feel more masculine. Yes, Working out to look better is gender affirming care. Testosterone intake and all the other, uh, yeah, all the other hormones that are being used. There's hormones being used for everything. And there are hormones for many more things than just your gender. You can have hormones for thyroid, your thyroid. Hormones are just stuff that your brain creates. Well, more than your brain, but yeah, it's your your endocrine system but it's part it's part of how your body needs those chemicals if if you don't have hormones in your body you're dead you'll be dead we've got only a few more minutes left i think we might actually skip the last break because um at this point if we go to break we'll be we'll be like done and off uh off the show before we come back from break so we can just keep talking yeah yeah all right so I think I think we've covered the gender affirming care things. I've I've oh, yeah. So I could go on for that for hours. For sure you could. So let's go back to identity and the importance yes. of like how. Let's just like wrap it up with what are some things that people use for identity. Like when when you look at your like say your friends when they tell you what their identity is, what are they identifying as? Are, are they using their skin color? Are they using their careers? What are they doing? So I think the thing that most people should understand. It's not just queer people have identities. Cis, what? cis head people cisgender is a gender identity. Well, no, actually, cisgender is an adjective. Men and women are both genders. A cis woman, her gender is woman. She has a gender, her gender is woman. Yeah. And cisgender and her sex is woman. And cisgender usually, uh, usually but sometimes it's female. Female. That's right. You're right. Sex is female, but we actually don't know fully because we're not looking at chromosomes, and no, that's a whole that's other true. conversation. That's yeah. That's, that's a whole other show. Oh, damn. What was I going? Uh, oh, and cisgender is not a bad word. It's a descriptor. Right. So the cis and trans actually came from fat. So yeah. That. So it's where one molecule just, moves over. It's just a scientific word. Tra- yeah. Trans just means transitioning. Cis just means like stay pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Same. It's like same. 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 There's nothing wrong with being cisgender heterosexual yeah. as long as you aren't being mean to people who aren't. <laughs> That's that conversation that I have all the time with people who are like, as long as you're not hurting people. And I say, 
I'm not, I'm not offended by your straightness as long as you're not hurting people yeah. too. <laughs> so like, so like everything that you, if you are one of the people who are going to write comments on our Facebook or on our, on Same our like, YouTube, thank if, you. If people are being like discriminated against. No, you aren't. You really aren't. But we want to say thank you for comments because all yeah. of them boost the algorithms. And at the same time, um, having having an identity is your it's yours. It's your own personal yeah. experience, also, and it can change. Also, I want to get into this quickly. So, people who say that terms like birthing person are being exclusionary towards cis women, they really aren't. Trans inclusion is not cis discrimination. And what if people can use any term? Like, I don't, I like the word mom because yeah, I'm your mom. And you can still use that. Mom is just included. Just having options. Yeah. What if we could have options? It's like, there's there's a really good example for this. So um, imagine, imagine like you have a bouquet of flowers and you say, oh, I really like this. Um, I really like these flowers. And someone says, those aren't flowers. That's a rose. But you say that rose is part of flowers. I'm including I'm including roses in flowers. Mm -hmm. But there's more than just roses in here. There's also like daisies, daisies and, and yeah. baby's breath. You know, so it isn't there isn't just roses in here, but there is roses in here, but they're included in flowers. So I'm saying flowers as a general to be general, and it's an easier term than saying all of the flowers in here. And as we know, language has changed a lot over time. Yeah. So we may just be going through another language transition as we look mm -hmm. at words, even historically, that the meaning of them is completely different than how we use them now. So language changes, I hate to tell you, but even in the last 80 to 100 years, our language yeah. has changed dramatically. Yeah. Dictionaries have changed. Meanings of things have changed a lot. Also, for anyone out there who doesn't like the idea of using singular they, them pronouns or neo pronouns such as like the ZZM, all that stuff. Did you know that she was once a neo pronoun? It was. And they is actually grammatically correct to be used singular because it's the English language and that's how it works. Like if you, uh, what I see a lot- Everybody was she in the 1400s. Yeah, they? yeah. Uh, no, it's the is other it? way around. Everyone was, I think there was a different word that they used. Um, but okay. she, I think one of the one of the first people to use it was Shakespeare. Yeah. So Shakespeare was pretty much using neo pronouns. Oh, oh no, 15 seconds to end. Yeah. So uh, what are we gonna say? Wrap it up with um, um your gender. Respect people. Respect people, your identity can change all the time. Don't feel like you have to be Use people's pronouns, no matter what they are. Be kind. Let's just be kind. Thank you yeah. for listening to the Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.